Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the DDP. It's the fourth day of August. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. And Natasha and I are, at the time this airs, celebrating our wedding anniversary, which is tomorrow, the fifth day of August, will be 28 years of marriage, and we are celebrating uh, in a mountain cabin, hopefully sequestered from the world (laughs) for a few days. It has been quite a busy summer, and we have looked so forward to getting away for a few days, and so um, that's what's going on in our life. I'm praying that wherever you are and whatever you are doing, you are blessed and favored, experiencing the goodness of God. On tomorrow's podcast, we will be introducing the sermon that will come up on Sunday, so listen for that. But for today, let's get back here to the 14th chapter of Mark, where Jesus has just said, yesterday's podcast, he said that someone was going to betray him, and every disciple in the room asked, is it I? Verses 20 and 21, and he answered and said to them, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in the dish. Why one of the 12? Because there's more than 12 More than 13 people in the room. I know Da Vinci paints the Last Supper. Jesus is at the center of a table. A very white Anglo-Saxon Jesus is sitting in a chair at the center of a long table with six guys to his left and six guys to his right. It's it's really good art. It's really bad history. Uh, There were, first of all, the ancient world, the first century Mediterranean world didn't sit in chairs at an elongated table. They would have lounged around a low pedestal that had food on it. They also would not have all sat on the same side of the table. Of course, it's good art, bad history. He didn't look like that, I'm sure. He certainly didn't look European. Um, But, you know... Artists get to paint their own culture into paint, into pictures. That's what we do. The actual Last Supper is not 12 disciples and Jesus. There's the 12 and Jesus and a bunch of other people. There were almost, there were probably very few times where it was just the 12 with Jesus. There was always a lot of women that accompanied the disciples and Jesus. There were other disciples who were followers when Jesus was nearby, but were not necessarily part of the 12. But the 12 was a number that represented a new kingdom because 12 had been the number of tribes in Israel. And so 12 was the number chosen to represent a new thing. Jesus says that out of those 12, he was going to be betrayed, and it was going to be someone who dips with him in the dish. It's going to be one of you who's sitting right here at this table. And then 21, the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Well, of course... I mean, if you need a real, you don't need deep theology onto why Jesus says that. So, of course, it's better if you'd never been born. If, if the name attached to you throughout history ruins the name for everyone else who will ever carry it, you can't be named Judas now without being connected to Judas Iscariot. There's just no way around it. It'd be like naming your kid Adolf. 
Not it's not even that even that isn't as pointed as Judas. Probably be like naming him Hitler. Like if you named your you gave him the first name Hitler, that would be you're just trying to send a message. So Jesus is better than the man had ever been born because he's basically ruined the name for any future Judas or any Judas that's on the earth in the time of that Judas. It's ruined for him being associated with it. But that's not what I really want to focus. I want to focus on that first sentence. Which the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Matthew quotes this almost the same way. Matthew 26, 24, the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Word for word, that's an interesting phrase. The Son of Man goes just as it is written of him. Well, the Son of Man appears in Daniel, and Daniel says that the Son of Man rides on a cloud and appears before the Ancient of Days and receives a kingdom that has no end. So in one sense, Jesus is saying the Son of Man is going to do exactly what He came to do regardless of the fact that one of you is going to betray me. The Son of Man, When He says Son of Man, they're only thinking Daniel. That's where that appears. So the Son of Man is going to do what He's going to do. What's He going to do? Well, He's going to ride the cloud and He's going to appear before the Ancient of Days. He's going to receive a kingdom that has no end. So I'm not going to be stopped by this betrayal. In fact... It's simply going to be a part of what brings me into the place I need to be. The Son of Man is going to do as it's written of Him. But that that phrase, as it's written of Him, also, that that intrigues me because I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about the Old Testament writings that become interpreted in ways that define our Christianity. Let me give you an example. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking about the risen Christ. And he says in verse 3, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Okay. I I gave to you what I received. So I heard this. This is what I got in my spirit. That Christ died according to the Scriptures. So you can imagine that what Paul is saying is, Christ died and I can prove it to you from, and I'm going to use a word he wouldn't have used, okay? So bear with me. Christ died and I can prove it to you from the Bible. I don't need to explain why he wouldn't have used that word. Okay. Now, for instance, Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. We know that by as early as the book of Acts, that text was being used to show us Jesus because Philip the evangelist uses that chapter to see the Ethiopian eunuch saved. So first generation after Christ, they're using Isaiah 53, spotting Jesus there. That's written of him. That's one example of written. I think there's a lot like all of the 22nd Psalm. And I've walked you through Psalm 22 a lot of times, but all those, my strength is dried up, my tongue clings to my jaws, you brought me to the dust of death, Uh, they, they pierce my hands and my feet, they divide my garments. These verses become, start to be interpreted as having been written of him. So when Jesus says, that which is written of me, he doesn't give us specifics. He gives us Son of Man, which we know is Daniel. But it takes Paul 
and John and Peter to bring out all of those things that Jesus was talking about when he said, Son of Man and those things written of him. Okay. That's enough of, of that conversation. I told you we would get into the Lord's Supper today. We did not. We will tomorrow as Jesus institutes what we now call the Eucharist. And we'll talk about it tomorrow. See you then. God bless.